Are we really free? In a world where we pay such a great price for freedom, we still seem to be prisoners of ourselves, our behaviors, self-destructive habits, fears, enslaving emotions, violent tempers, secret addictions and more. In this message, Emotionally Free, we learn how to be free from emotional bondages. Be blessed. Now, over the last few Sundays, we've been dwelling on the theme, Free at Last. Uh, we've been talking about areas of freedom that you and I need to be walking in in everyday life. Uh, we talked about what freedom really is. What, what do we mean when we uh, uh, talk about the word freedom? What does freedom mean? We stated that Freedom really is the ability to choose what's right and to refuse what's wrong. If I lose that ability, if I lose the ability to choose what's right and refuse what's wrong, I've lost freedom. I'm really not free in my life. Last Sunday, we dwelt on the area of personal freedom in lifestyle, in choices, in behavior, and how that um, in, 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 in our in our lifestyle, in our behavior, in our choices, we could be uh, in some ways in prison, enslaved. And we talked about how the Lord can bring freedom in that area of life. This morning, I'm going to talk about emotional freedom. How you and I can be emotionally free. Free in the area of our feelings. Our desires, our thoughts, our perceptions. Because it is quite possible that we could get enslaved, imprisoned, so to speak, even in this area of our lives. The area of our emotions, our feelings. And so I want to address some of the problems that we would face in the area of our emotions. And then I want to talk about the healing that God gives us, that God brings into our lives emotionally as well. You know, for those of you who, are, who, who use social media, various forms and, uh, you know, whatever tool or platform you use, there's this little thing called emoticon that describes your, uh, that kind of expresses your emotion. You know, you're, you're very happy, you put a smiley face, you know. You're angry with somebody, put something else. So, what is your emoticon right now? It's possible that for some of us, we are prisoners of some deep emotional need. Your emoticon might say, in need. Deep need. Maybe... That need could be to please people, a need for acceptance, a need for approval, recognition, fame. Could be different things, emotional needs. For some of us, our emoticon would be perhaps I'm a prisoner. Here's your smiley face, not smiley face, upset face behind a prison bar, you know. I'm a prisoner. Perhaps. Some of us could be prisoners emotionally 
prisoners of our past. Time has come and gone. But emotionally, you're locked in time, in, in some time in the past. You're locked there. Maybe there's hurt. Maybe there's anger, unforgiveness, hatred. Sometimes even angry at God. How could God do this to me? He did this to me five years ago. I'm still not given, forgiven him for it. You're locked in time emotionally, imprisoned in the past. For some of us, maybe we are prisoners of an yet unborn future, afraid of the future, fearful. Maybe it's because there is a sense of hopelessness and uh, there is no assurance of what the future might bring, how the things might go, and there's a lot of fear concerning that. You know, and... Uh, these emotional problems, hurts, wounds, pains, trauma, can be caused for a variety of things. And this morning, it's not my intent to kind of identify all the causes for it, but just to talk about a few so that we could relate to it this morning. Sometimes these emotional problems, wounds, and hurts are caused because of family environment. The home environment in which we grew up, in which we spent our early days. Maybe you had a very, very, very dominating father, a very strict parent, and uh, who spoke hurt and and uh, through, through through their domination always, uh, you know, was so strict they hurt and. Hurt you, wounded you emotionally. So today, years later, maybe you're an adult. Maybe you're a parent yourself. You're still carrying that hurt and that wound. Maybe you grew up in a home where nothing was good enough. Nothing was good enough. I mean, you could get 99 and your dad would say, why didn't you get 100? Just not good enough. And time has come and gone. You're now an adult. You're in the workplace. And that still is affecting you. Perhaps when you were born, and of course a little later in on life, your dad said, I was wanting a boy, but you came. He just made that remark, but that so marred or scarred you that even today, there's a deep sense of rejection. I was not needed. And I'm still not needed in this world. That sense of rejection is still there because of what happened sometime years in your childhood. Could be other needs not met. There was no appreciation at all at home. No approval. No love. Maybe the only time your dad embraced you was when you were just born. But after that, you never, he never hugged you. He never told you he loved you. And I'm just using dad, but it could be you know, anyone but at home. But, but you never experienced love. You never experienced approval. You never received appreciation at home. And so years later, 
it's still affecting. We'll talk about how it affects us. But the point is, it's quite possible that the, the family environment, the home in which we grew up, may be a cause for the emotional need and problem and struggles and hurts and wounds that we might be carrying as adults today. Perhaps it's uh, individual personality and cultivated habits, things that you did that have therefore affected us emotionally in our lives. You know, maybe there were personal addictions and alcohol and drugs and pornography and all of those things, habits that were cultivated that also affect emotionally. Today, maybe emotionally you have a wandering and an unstable mind or there's a lack of purpose, morally very loose in your thinking. A lot of things could happen emotionally because of cultivated habits. Our past experiences in life, some things that you had no control over when people mistreated you, people abused you, and you were innocent, you had no say in it, and yet it was inflicted on you. Our traumatic experiences in life that we all go through which could have hurt us some way emotionally, in our emotions, in our feelings, in our, in our thoughts, in our desires, in our perceptions. Abuse or a disappointment in relationship. Maybe somebody that you really thought cared for you suddenly just backed off. From then on you think there is not, no such thing as real love. Because the one person that you really thought loved you disappointed you. From then on, you never thought you would ever experience true love. Or there could be emotional entanglements. Past relationships where you're emotionally involved with somebody that you should not have been involved in. Time is gone, but the, the web of those emotions still grip you today. You've grown as an adult. You've gone on in other areas of life, but in emotions, those things still hold on. So, I'm just pointing out a few things, and there are numerous others. Causes for hurt and wound in our emotions. And, and uh, these obviously affect our behavior. They affect our perceptions. They affect our response to people and situations and how we react to things. They affect our communication with people. They affect the choices we make. So it's quite possible that due to these things, this morning some of us could be imprisoned in some areas in our emotions. Think about some of the ways these, these emotional prisons affect our everyday life. What about withdrawal, for instance? That you don't want to interact with people, just withdraw. Don't want to talk to people. And perhaps it comes from a deep sense of unworthiness. You feel like not good enough, and so I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to interact, I don't want to mix with people. It really comes with a feeling of I'm really not good, I'm really not worthy, I'm not, I'm not unfit, unworthiness. 
What about resentment and anger? Maybe there was one man who hurt you, wronged you, and therefore from then on you think all men are like that. All men are like beasts. You know? I remember when I was in the, working in the United States, was managing a team of people and working on a project together. There was one young girl who was on my team. And man, it was dangerous. I mean, if I wanted to correct her for something, like, please come on time or anything, even as a small thing, I had to think 10 times, how should I say it? When should I say it? Because if I just approached her at the wrong moment, there would be an explosion. It was so dangerous. And it was in the workplace, you know. And I, you know, it, it is all because of whatever. I don't, I don't know her past. It is some sort of emotional thing, but it was affecting the team. Everyone was like, be careful, you know. Because there was anger, resentment. And you had to be very careful how you deal with that person. Otherwise, they'll explode. Or break down, start crying. So can you imagine having a project meeting and you say, you mention the name saying, you know, so and so, some of these things were wrong. Suddenly they are crying. I mean, in the, in the conference room, you know. Oh, this is in the workplace. It's very difficult handling situations like this. Or how about a deep sense of inadequacy? Maybe you're a person who's highly talented, highly skilled. You've got, uh, you're, you're, you're a great thinker. You, you've got it all. But your boss comes to you and says, you know, would you step up to this? And you say, no, 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 no I, I can't do it. Tell somebody else to do it. You're unwilling to take on responsibility on your shoulders. Why? Not because you don't have the talent, not because you don't have the skill or the mind. That Your boss sees all of that. But there's a deep sense of inadequacy. You feel like, I will never be able to rise up to the occasion. I'm inadequate. And so it holds you back. Or think about this extreme competitiveness in the workplace. I mean, some of you may have experienced it. You're working on a team. And... This is one person, even the little information they have there, keep it top secret. They don't want to share with anybody else because they want to have a little edge on the rest of the team. A sense of extreme competitiveness, even though they are in the same team, working on the same set of tasks, extremely competitive. You wonder why they're like that. Then you realize maybe when they're growing up, their dad always drove them. I'm saying dad, it could be mom. <laughs> dad always drove them. You had to outperform everybody else. So you get the third rank in class, it was not good enough. You came second in class, not good. Why didn't you come first? And so, now they've carried that into the workplace and the whole, the way they work on a team is like this. Extremely competitive, competing with their own team members now. Not disclosing information. They always want to have an edge over everybody else. Why? Carrying something emotionally. And it's affecting their performance in the organization or wherever they're working. Always because even now they want to prove that they are better. It's inside them. Negative control. Wanting to control, manipulate people. You know, if a child grows up with the father saying, you know, only if you do this, I'll give you this. You can imagine them as a 
team leader. Only if you do this, I'll give you this. You don't value people for who they are. You don't reward people for even the little thing they do. You don't appreciate even the little things. No. It's only if you, you, know, you, you control, uh, you, you manipulate, you control, you lead only uh, if people reach certain things. Now, there are metrics and so on. I'm not against that. But wanting to lead through control, through manipulation, it's an emotional problem. Control people, manipulate people, to get them to do what you want them to do. Or think about just being desperate love for love. Desperate for love and acceptance. Think about this young lady. She may be very good, uh, highly educated, maybe an MBA, uh, doing really well professionally. But here she's all messed up with this guy. She's going out with this guy who's on drugs, drinking, smoking, wasting away his life. And you're standing and saying, man, even if she had the slightest bit of sense, she would know that this is the wrong guy to hang out with. But why is she so desperate and just going out with him all the time? Can't she realize that he's, he is on a downhill road in his life and she is most likely going down with him? But you know what? It's not a question about her intellect. It's not a question about ability. But deep in her, she has a longing for love. And she feels that this guy is the one who really loves her. And so she just do anything to receive that love and acceptance. She says, gone. Why? Because she never received love at home. So the first guy who came along to show a little bit of love that was it. Gone. A deep need for love and acceptance. And her life is on a downward spiral. Difficulty with intimacy. Unable to share your heart with people. Maybe once in the past you had a very close friend and you, you shared a lot of your heart with him and your innermost thoughts and your feelings are just, just good friends and you shared a lot. But then one day something happened. He turned around to you and when he turned around to you, he just exposed everything that you shared with him. And so from then on you decided, I'm never going to share my heart with any person. So what happened? You're holding on to the keys of your heart. Now you may be married. But you still don't share anything with your spouse. Why? Because of that one bad experience. You don't want to trust the secrets of your heart with any person. And therefore, you're unable to be open, unable to be intimate. You have difficulty with intimacy. And so on. There could be so many other areas in life that you and I struggle with emotionally. And up an addiction for approval. You always go to a place where people approve. You always want, to, want people to stroke you positive. The moment somebody says one thing negative, who points out one area of your of life that you need to correct yourself, no, you don't accept it. Unable to accept or receive correction because there's such a deep need for approval. And so if you're, you're unable therefore to receive correction in, any, in a positive way. Or they could be just deadly deceptions where there are wrong emotions, but you're unable to see that things are wrong. 
you know, just, just some a list or some of the ways these wrong emotions affect us in everyday life. But, you know, when, when we are hurt, when we are wounded emotionally, we are like these explosives, human explosives. Somebody presses the wrong button and then things explode. It could happen anywhere. Because the fact is, hurting people hurt other people. When your emotions rage, you do insane things. You do things that are illogical, irrational. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 20, The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When a man is angry and has let his emotions take control, he is not going to do what's right in the eyes of God. The wrath of man does not produce, does not do the righteousness of God. Think about Cain and Abel. They both brought, came to worship God. Abel did the right thing. God accepted it. Cain, his offering was not accepted. And so he got so angry. The Lord comes to him. He says in Genesis 4 and verse 6, the Lord says to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? I mean, why are you so upset? Why is he so emotionally troubled? And God assures him, says, Cain, if you do what's right, you will also be accepted. Meaning, I'm not a partial God that I'll only accept Abel and reject you. But if you do what's right, I'll accept you too. But you know what Cain did? He was so emotionally disturbed that he did an insane thing. He went and killed his brother Abel. For no fault of his. Abel never wronged Cain, but still Cain went and killed him. When our emotions are troubled in some manner, we end up doing these kinds of things. And wounded emotions cripple us like a wounded bird. The bird is made to soar in the sky and, and go to greater heights, but when it's wounded, and it lies crippled on the floor. And so also when our emotions are wounded in some way, it cripples us in many areas of life. So sitting here this morning, it's quite possible that many of us would say, look, I realize that I need healing in my life. In the area of my emotions. I've gone through things in life that have hurt me, wounded me, imprisoned me. Sometimes these were inflicted on me. I was innocent. I, I wasn't even part of it, but it happened to me. I was a victim of it, but uh, here I am, wounded. Is there hope? Can I be made whole? And that's what we want to talk about this morning. That emotional wholeness is ours through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ makes us whole. He restores us. Jesus Christ restores you and me. At the root of all shame and guilt in emotional prisons, there is a deep sense of unworthiness in all of us. A deep sense of, I'm not good. 
The Bible points us to God. In Psalm 23 verse 3 saying, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. No matter what happens. No matter what I've gone through in the past. There is God who restores our soul. Makes us well. Think about the story of this woman. In the 8th chapter of of John. The religious leaders caught her in adultery. And they brought her to Jesus. And they said, Lord, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. And here she is. Now we are ready to stone her. Think about the shame. The sense of unworthiness. The humiliation. That she must have been feeling at that moment. I'm not good. I'm unworthy. What a shame. Standing for all these people. And there's no hope for my future. They're ready to stone me. They're ready to kill me. Just standing there before Jesus. The Bible tells us, Jesus looks up and he tells these people, whoever among you is without sin, you throw the first stone. Looks down and he continues to write on the sand. And the Bible says, starting with the oldest, all the way to the youngest, one by one, they drop their stones and they walk away. So Jesus looks up to this woman and says, Woman, where are your accusers? Where are those people who've brought such shame, such, such humiliation, such pain? Where are those people? And the woman says, They're all gone. And here was what Jesus told her. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Can you imagine in that one moment, in that one sentence, All the shame, all the humiliation she was feeling, all the sense of unworthiness just lifted. Because now the master has said, I don't condemn you. Go sin no more. Don't go back to what was ruining your life. And so she walked from that place, walked away from that place with her sense of worth, dignity, honor restored in her life. She goes back, meets all the people. There's one sentence that keeps ringing in her. I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. You're worthy. Jesus restores that. In our lives. He brings wholeness to us. No matter what your trap is. He can bring you out. Maybe you got emotionally involved. With the wrong kinds of people. And the wrong kinds of things. And you find, your, find that web of emotions. Still holding on to you. And you're saying I'm in a trap. How do I get out of this? The psalmist said in Psalm 25 verse 15. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. It doesn't matter what your emotional net is this morning. If your eyes are toward the Lord, he will pluck your feet out of the net. Amen? He'll bring you out. Just look to him. He'll bring you out. 
No matter how deep your darkness, he will be your light. I don't know how the darkness has been caused in your life or my life. Whether it was brothers like Joseph who sold him away to be put into a dungeon. Or whether it was your trusted friend who turned his heel against you. Whether it was your parents who rejected you. I don't know what the cause for that darkness is where emotionally there is darkness. But Micah says in Micah 7 verse 8, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. There is someone who can break through your darkness, who can break through that depression, who can break through that sense of hopelessness. He can shine his light into that situation, into that darkness. He will do it. There is hope. Maybe you've been a Christian. You love the Lord. You started walking with God. But then emotionally you wandered away from God. You got entangled with the wrong things. You let your desires and affections go after the wrong things. And today you find yourself so hard to pull out of those things. You're backslidden. God speaks to his people. The Old Testament book of Hosea, the 14th chapter, verse 4. He says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely for my anger is turned away from him. I will heal your backsliding. Because of your backsliding emotionally, you're all gone. But listen. There's a God who says, I will heal your backsliding. I will love you freely. He continues on in the next few verses, talking to the people of Israel. He says, you know, I will restore you. I will be like the dew that will bring freshness. And you will grow like the lily. And, and uh, I will cause you to spread. And you, your beauty will come back to you. God will do that for you and me. He turns everything around. You know that verse of scripture in Psalm 30, verse 11. He has turned for me my mourning into dancing. He has put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. That's our God. That's our God. He'll do that. In fact, Jesus died. To make us emotionally whole. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 says. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace. Was upon him. The chastisement. The punishment for our peace. For our peace. The word peace there is a Hebrew word shalom. Meaning the punishment that would bring us shalom, wholeness. Emotional well-being is included. Was upon him. Through the cross, through the price Jesus paid, you and I can be made emotionally whole. Well again. Jesus heals us today. And talking about the work of the Holy Spirit upon his life, 
through his life. And I'm just quoting one verse here in Isaiah 61 and verse 3. By the Spirit, this is what the Lord does. He consoles those who mourn in Zion. He gives beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, praise, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Those he consoles, those who mourn in Zion. The Old Testament Zion represents the New Testament church. Those who mourn in Zion, he consoles them, soothes, eases their emotional pain, consoles those who mourn in Zion. He gives beauty for ashes. Has life reduced you to ashes emotionally? Look, he gives beauty. He brings us out of those ashes. Like that song says, out of the ashes arise, we will rise. He beautifies us. Are we overwhelmed with a cloud of heaviness? He releases us to praise. And Jesus empowers us. Maybe you look back and say, all this is nice, but I can never forgive my father. I can never forgive that man who abused me. Or I can never forgive such and such a person who wronged me in such and such a way. And five years later, ten years later, you're still carrying that unforgiveness, that anger, that hatred. The pain of that wound is still there. Listen, Jesus empowers us. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2 and verse 13 that it is God who works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. Meaning God works in you and me. He works in us both to, be, to make us willing and able to do His pleasure. If you only open up your life and say, God, come, help me. Maybe right now you're unwilling to forgive, but when he works in you, he'll make you willing. He'll bring you to that place where you can say, yes, I am ready to forgive. And then he'll take you a step further and he'll give you the strength to do his good pleasure, which is to forgive. It is God who works in us, both to make us willing and able to do His good pleasure. The question is, are you and I willing to open up and say, God, come, I need help. I need help. Please come help me, work in me. Make me willing, make me able to do what's right in your eyes. So I want to close this morning by inviting you and me to come receive our healing. Receive your healing. There is a healer. There is somebody who can heal our backsliding. There is somebody who can bring our feet out of the net. There is somebody whose light can shine into our darkness. There is somebody who can give us beauty for ashes. There is somebody who can console those who mourn in Zion. Come to him. He's our healer. He restores our soul. I don't know the process. I mean, I could talk about different things. We could talk about, you know, here are these six steps and all of that. I'm purposely avoiding those steps because really 
Healing comes from the person. It's not from the process. It's not from the methods. It's not the method who heals. It's the person who heals. Amen? So let God work whatever method he wants in your life. Let him choose that. But this morning, let's come to the person, the healer, who makes us well emotionally. The psalmist prayed this prayer in Psalm 142 and verse 7. He says, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. Lord, I'm, my soul, my emotions are in a prison. Bring my soul out of prison that I might praise your name. Bring me out of my prison, God. Bring me out of my prison so that I can praise your name. Anybody who prays this prayer, anybody can pray this prayer. Bring my soul out of prison, God, that I might praise your name. The Bible assures us that whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who calls on his name will be saved. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to ask the Lord to come and bring his healing. We're going to call the worship team up here, please, to help us spend some time just encountering the healer this morning. Bring my soul out of prison that I might praise your name. My eyes are ever toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. I don't know what that net is in your life, my life, whatever it might be. If our eyes are toward the Lord, He will pluck our feet out of the net. Are you emotionally wrapped, entangled in things that you know are wrong? You wandered off in the wrong direction, into the wrong things. And this morning you know that your desires, your affections have been trapped in something or in a few things that you know are not right. Put your eyes toward the Lord. He will pluck your feet out of the net. Are you sitting in darkness? I don't know how you got there. Maybe somebody did something. Maybe you were wrong. I don't know. But Micah said, when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. This morning, could we turn our eyes, look to the Lord, say, God, come work in me. Heal me, God. Some of us might have pain, hurt. Whatever it is, you say, Lord, heal me. Set me free. Make me whole, Jesus.
So, Father, we just invite you by your Holy Spirit to come. Move upon every heart, move upon every life right now, O God. There could be even one person here this morning who's hurting emotionally, who's in pain emotionally, who's entangled emotionally. Oh God, we ask that even if there's one person here, touch that one person, oh God. Touch that one soul. Bring him or bring her out of her prison. That they might praise your name. Go ahead, take this time to pray. It's between you and the Lord right now. Whatever you need to pray about. souls, those who mourn. He gives beauty for ashes. He gives praise. He releases us to praise those of us who are overwhelmed. As you're standing here this morning, would you just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm releasing the past. I'm releasing, Lord, the hurt and the pain. I'm releasing the wounds. I'm releasing the disappointments. I don't want to be imprisoned by emotionally by my past. I don't want that. I want to walk in the life that you've given me to live. I want to walk, I want to walk as a person who's emotionally free. Free to love, free to give. Just pray that prayer this morning. Father, I just thank you that even as each one has called upon the name of the Lord, even as each one has reached out to you personally this morning and, and sought you for healing and for your work in their hearts and lives, I thank you, Father, that you are faithful to do it. That you will walk with them in this journey to wholeness and and a place where truly Christ is seen and Christ is glorified in our lives. Thank you that you are faithful to do this. That he who began a good work in you, 
He is faithful to complete it. The one who called you is faithful. And he will do it. He will do it. He will do it. Thank you, God, for the healing, the freedom that you bring in our lives, in our emotions, in our mind, our thoughts, our will, our affections, our desires. Thank you for it, Father. We give you all the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's close. The Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. And the Lord be gracious to you. And lift up His countenance on you. And surround you with His favor. And give you His peace. In Jesus name. Amen. He restores our soul. He makes us up. And he's, he'll do it. He's faithful. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.